Good morning. Am I on? Hey, I want you to give Lauren a big hand. She's starting her first day on sound today. She's doing a great job. And Abdu is doing an awesome job with the kids this summer, and so is Cleone. The, the, we've been having a great time. Um, and I, I want to start out this morning by uh, uh, reading from God's Word in Luke chapter 9. I'm taking a two-year journey, at least in the book of Luke, and we're in verse 7 of chapter 9. Now Herod, the Tetrarch, heard all about what was happening, and he was perplexed, because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead and by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others, one of the prophets of old had risen. And Herod said, John I beheaded, but who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him. Well, good morning to all my brothers and sisters that are are here with me this morning, and those of you who are watching online, if you're new today, my name is Ken. I'm, I'm the pastor here today, and our message today is perplexed. You know, in our text today, Herod was perplexed. And, and this word means to be filled with uncertainty or difficulty. Now, sometimes I get perplexed in life. And, and, and there can be a positive part to being perplexed when I wonder about God and, and you know, what's going on living in this fallen and broken world, and I, and I seek him, and I, I draw close to him, and I, I try to find answers. But I can also be perplexed in a rebellious way that is actually departing from God, where I'm seeking my own way and not following God, and I'm just simply doing my own thing. The reality is, um, in my conscience, I ultimately know what the right thing is, but emotionally, I am drawn or tempted often in other directions. You know, I believe, like Herod, we can always all kind of become perplexed at times in our lives as we go through life in this broken world. You know, at Crosswinds, I hope to make things simple for us as disciples of Jesus Christ. You know, there are two things to focus on. I put up two banners today. On this one's hard to see. I gotta raise this, this sail, but it says, come follow. And it's about the great commandment to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbors ourselves. We just simply need to come follow Jesus. And, and the other is to go fish, to, to go and share His love with, with others. That's what God has called us to do as His disciples, as His believers. And we don't need to be perplexed about what we are to do, what his mission is for us. But the reality is we can all struggle to live that out. Other priorities of our lives like jobs and family and recreation can kind of leave us a little confused or perplexed sometimes. Our, our own wants and our, our desires can lead us into sin that will sometimes perplex or confuse us. We can become perplexed by fear of what others might think, if we really tried to follow closer to Jesus? Could this maybe affect my job? Could could this affect relationships with my friends or with my family? If I, if I really tried to attempt to fish on a daily basis and have gospel conversations with people, would that affect how they thought of me? We can become perplexed about whether we should give or not, and how that will affect our finances, as Mike talked about giving. We can become perplexed on whether we should serve and get involved more and help in church or, or put more time into the family. 
If we have a conscience, we'll spend some time being perplexed. You know, today we're going to look at a man named Herod who was perplexed, sometimes in good ways, but mostly in rebellious ways, so that we can learn from both. And it starts out in verse 7, saying, Herod the Tetrarch heard about what was happening and he was perplexed. What was Her- what perplexed Herod was that Jesus' disciples were out actually doing what Jesus told them to do. They were out following him and they were fishing. See, when we obey Jesus, others around us should become perplexed by our lives. And that is actually a good thing. If nobody is perplexed by your life, you are probably not following Jesus very closely and you're not fishing. Actually, if you're following closely, that becomes fishing. It will bring questions from other people about your life. You know, people might ask me questions like, how did you convince Kathy, that beautiful woman, to stay with you for 35 years? (laughs) I can say, I don't know. Jesus convinced her. Right? That <laughs> they're perplexed by that. I'm just as amazed amazed about it as you are. Be praying for her. She's on her way to Italy right now um, on a little vacation with my daughter. Um, you know, uh, people might look at me and say, Ken, aren't you worried about your finances in this economy? And I would say, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things will be added. I have found that to be true, so I don't worry about money. And people can be perplexed by that. You know, um, you know, when I did it my way, I was bankrupt. When I do it God's way, he supplies my needs. And people, if you say stuff like that, they get perplexed. You know, some people might say, Ken, you have a lot of burdens in your life. Aren't you freaking out? And I might say to them, I'm not alone. God is my refuge and he's my strength. Not everything I go through is pleasant, but I trust Jesus. See, if you're following closely in faith and you're transparent about it with others around you, that's fishing. If your following is real. If you attempt to follow and, and, and fish, it should confuse and disrupt some people's lives around you. They should ask questions like Herod is here. Friends, is anything happening in your life today that anybody could hear about? You know, Jeremy told part of his story today. What's your God story this week? Beloved, how was following him this week? How was fishing this week? Because with all the following and fishing that was going on, Herod heard about it. You know, Herod was the governor of their area. I would love it if John Arcadellus, our mayor, would call me up and go, what's going on at Crosswinds? Your disciples are making a stir in Plainfield. Herod was called Tetrarch because he was governor over a fourth of Galilee. Herod the Great's kingdom was divided into four parts, and Herod the Tetrarch ruled just one of the parts. He was a big fish in a little pond, 
that Jesus and his disciples were fishing in. It was about 200,000 to 700,000 Jews, about the size maybe of our county. And, and, and he, Herod had taken notice of what this little group of disciples were doing. Isn't that amazing? They were having that kind of impact. If, if you are a disciple of Christ, do you realize that people are watching how you follow? And it's good if they are perplexed by your life. If lost people are not perplexed by you, it's because you look too much like them. Herod heard it all. That's the good part of him being perplexed. He was listening. He was interested. He was a man who sought out and, and, and tried to hear the word of God. Mark's gospel tells us this about Herod. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. And when he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and he heard him gladly. He liked to hear John. Herod heard John the Baptist preaching often. He respected how John followed God. He knew that John was a good man. He knew that John was a man sent by God. And Herod kept John safe for a while from his wife. It, it was possible that, that Herod was even trying to follow John's teaching on morality to a point. The text says he feared John. That means he really had a respect for the kind of life that John led. He might have even agreed with the teaching he gave on the tax collectors, that they should not be overly collecting, and that the Roman soldiers should not abuse people, and that the poor should be helped. Actually, from that, how the sentence is constructed in the Greek, it appears that Herod was actually moved into action to do some things because of John's teaching, that he, he enacted some things. But, but here's the problem. Herod did not fear God, he feared John. What perplexed Herod is ultimately he feared what man thought of him, what John thought of him, more than God. Herod also feared his own sinful desires more than God. See, Herod desired his niece, who was his brother's wife, Herodias. Now, she was also the mother of his brother's children. And Herod divorced his own wife to marry Herodias, and Herodiasly, shockingly, for a woman of her time, declared herself divorced from her husband, Herod's brother. So, Herod, who was a Jewish leader, did not fear God in that decision, but he did fear John's opinion of him. And so when John publicly preached against his sin... He was fearful because John was popular with the people because they believed that John was a prophet. And But Herod was also afraid of his wife, and so he protected John from being killed by his wife because his wife apparently had no conscience about God, and so John put him in a prison. Herod had a conscience. It tormented him. He feared the preacher. And he feared his reputation. Herod was perplexed. 
He was conflicted in heart about what was right. But he didn't do what was right. Herod lived like many who are religious, troubled in their conscience, that they know what is right. They know all the doctrine, but they're doing the opposite. They gladly hear God's word week after week, but they do not follow, and they definitely do not fish. Instead, they follow their own desires, defending often vehemently or protecting what they know to be true because it's a popular thing to believe. They fear the preacher's word, but they don't keep the word themselves because they don't fear God. They don't fear God enough to repent and change and obey it. They're just like Herod. They gladly keep hearing it. Now, it was a good thing that Herod was willing to hear it. But it was a dangerous thing that he said he was perplexed. For friends, that was rebellion. Oh, see, Herod heard what he wanted to hear. And that's what many of us do. He heard about the good moral teaching. The good moral teaching that would make his kingdom better. How his own people should treat one another and care for the poor. He, he heard and somewhat obeyed those things because it made him look good in front of others. But Herod ignored the reason why John said that those things are important. John said those things are important that all flesh may see the salvation of God. John's message was not that we could all make ourselves look better. John's message was that we need to turn to God so that Jesus' son could come and we could find salvation in him and he could make us better, that he could restore us, that every low spot in us could be filled, that every crooked spot in us could be made straight, that every rough way could be leveled out by Jesus, that we would need to turn from our sin and find forgiveness in him. But see, Herod and Herodias were perplexed by that message. They didn't see that they needed any forgiveness. They were fixing their low spots by themselves. After all, they were just following their heart. Love is love after all. It, 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 It was those others that needed repentance. It was those evil tax collectors. It was those soldiers who cheated people. It was the poor that needed help. It was the people that treated them badly. Those were the immoral ones. Who could fault us for just loving one another? But see, they were perplexed. The Bible says that God is love. And and if you reverse that, you're saying that love is your God or love is love. See, love doesn't equal love. If you're making love your authority, you have made emotions your authority and you're not following God. See, Herod knew God's word and he should have known it was his heart that was perplexing him. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things 
and it is desperately sick, and who can understand it? Jeremiah 17.9. Herod only heard and feared the morality of the holy man who lived uh, a simple life and had a low-carbon footprint. But John said the real reason for his preaching was sharing the good news about God's love. And he had come to deliver us from our sinful nature that would destroy us. See, God is love. And, and Herod might say, well, I'm, I'm perplexed in my feelings. My, my feelings are what is real. My feelings for Her, 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 Herodias are what is real. And, and God made me feel this way, so my feelings must be what makes things true. But see, God is what makes things true. See, James 1, 13 through 15 says that, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And when desire has conceived birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death, and that's exactly what is going on here. Herodias and Herod are letting their emotions leading, and they're destroying their lives and the lives of a bunch of other people. And John is calling Herod to turn from his evil desires and come humble himself and be baptized and follow Jesus. But instead, Herod is just rebelliously perplexed. So he locks up his favorite preacher. You know, we often love preachers that entertain us, don't we? We love preachers that talk about doing good things for the poor. But let's get rid of the guy that says we need to repent and follow Jesus more closely. Let's let's get rid of the guy that says, let's obey Jesus and follow him and go fish. That's where Herodias was. Let's kill the guy, because John's words embarrassed her. But Herod's conscience was tormenting him. It was bothering him. Because he wanted to believe that he was a moral guy, and he wanted others to perceive that he was still a moral guy. In Mark's gospel, he shows us a moment of truth where Herod's heart was revealed. It was at Herod's birthday party, and all his nobility was there, and his military commanders, and all his community leaders. And what Herod really obeyed was revealed. Herodias had a daughter. And the daughter came in and danced for Herod and for all his guests. And Herod is so pleased. He tells the young girl, you can have anything you want up to half my kingdom. Now, the girl must have been quite a dancer. Or she must have been very beautiful or both to excite so much in the ruler. She also must have been very young because she didn't know what to ask for. She goes and asks her mama what to ask for. And she come back, she comes back after talking to mama and she asks for John the Baptist's head on a platter. And now John the, uh, I'm sorry, Herod's conscience is really perplexed again. He had been put in an awful spot. He knows John is good and righteous man. He was only in prison because of Herod's disobedience. 
He was just trying to keep him quiet and keep him away from the wrath of his wife. Now, he could obey his conscience and repent and humbly follow God and release John and rebuke his wife and face the humiliation with his guest. But see, Herod feared man more than God. He knew he was a Jew. He knew that killing an innocent man was against God's design. It was morally wrong and it was actually punishable by death. He should not be perplexed. There's no confusion about what the right thing to do is. Yet he's rebelliously perplexed of conscience. According to Mark 6, 26. And the king was exceedingly sorry. But because of his oaths, he had to do the right thing. His oaths to his guests. He didn't want to break his word to the little girl. He's really sorry about having to kill John the Baptist. He's really sorry about having to kill a man made in the image of God. But obviously he's more afraid of disappointing people than disappointing God. See, Herod only had a casual interest in God when it sought, when it, it suited his purposes. He didn't really follow God or obey God. Instead, he followed his fears, the fear of man, and he compromised on God. This situation only proves that people are his God, not God, and people are what he obeys. Now, it's not because Herod didn't know who God was. That's not what created the confusion. Herod was a Jewish ruler. Herod was one of the more educated people in his day. He was educated in the Torah. He had heard John the Baptist preach. Jesus said John the Baptist was the greatest man who had ever lived at that point, greatest teacher. The problem was Herod chose to remain perplexed instead of simply obey what he did understand. The state of being perplexed in disobedience started to distort his thinking. And that put him in the situation he was in. See, many people today, I think, think that it's almost in our culture, to be confused is almost something that people think is okay. It's okay to have questions about God. It's okay to be seeking God. But to stay kind of intellectually confused when things are very simple is not. That's rebellion. Romans 1, 20 through 21 says this, For the invisible, na- invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. They became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. See, Intellectually and emotionally, we often feel like being perplexed is justification for our disobedience. Oh, I'm confused. But there's always a simple choice to obey. Or a simple choice to obey the wrong things that lead to distorted thinking, that lead to eventually greater sins. See, John the Baptist feared popularity with the people. 
He feared his wife's anger. He feared the affection of a little girl. He feared losing faith or, or face in front of people he led. And all that led him to kill his favorite preacher and put a head on a platter and give it to a little girl. I mean, how distorted did your thinking have to be? And he was sorry. He was perplexed. Which is just distorted thinking. The Bible says this, the fear of man lays a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. When Jesus says, come follow me, it's because he wants what's best for us. He wants us to think clearly. The Bible also says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And all those who practice it have good understanding. And his praise endures forever. Herod's true concern what was revealed in his heart is his true concern concern was for his own praise to endure forever, not God's. See, many people will follow a religion because they will get the praise of men. They will, they will get the praise of men for their good and moral deeds. But they will not follow in sharing the good news. Oh, because in that they could be rejected. So it is really the praise of men that they are seeking. Instead of leaving the and and following in the certainty of God's promises in faith, they they don't follow. They stay perplexed because they don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to seem different than their neighbors or co-workers. They let their fears perplex them. See, when we follow and we fish, it's because our lives are about His glory. It's about bringing Him praise. It's not about our own. Again, the, the disciples' ministry of following and fishing at this time created a stir. It created praise. Matthew's gospel said the name of Jesus had become famous. The people were asking questions about him, not just Herod. Um, it, It says this, because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead, and by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the prophets of old had risen. And Herod said, John I beheaded, but who is this whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him. Now, what was Herod's concern here? That the Messiah had come to save us and and he wanted to know him too? No, Herod was bothered that people were still talking about John. It troubled his conscience. Actually, in in Mark's gospel, he was convinced that this was John the Baptist who had come back from the dead. See, John had preached against him and he ultimately had killed him for it. And if people believed that this was John and come back from the dead and that John was righteous, it just proved him to be more of a sinner. And he didn't like the idea of it being Elijah because Elijah 
was a prophet that came back to turn people back to God. Elijah was one that it was said would turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of their children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. The prophets all turn people back to follow God. That's not exactly what a man wants to hear who just broke up two families following his own flesh, his own desires. He didn't want to follow prophets that told you to not follow your flesh and humbly repent and turn to God. And then Moses had prophesied. That was another prophet people thought that, that, that Jesus could have been. Moses prophesied that the Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. And it's him that you shall listen to. Herod didn't want to listen and follow. He thought he had dealt with the problem by killing John. He did what many people do today. They just fire the preacher. Go to another church instead of repent. Change. They don't want to do that. I'll get a new counselor. I'll read a different book. Herod, again, is a fearful man in his conscience. Jesus is getting too famous. He doesn't want to have anybody around that might say he could be wrong and needs to repent. Look what he says. John, I beheaded. But who is this whom I hear such things? Friends, it's a good thing. When Jesus starts to perplex people and trouble them. In fear, Herod asked the same questions that the disciples in the boat asked when Jesus calmed the wind and the waves. Who is this? And the text says he sought to see him. But at this point, his distorted thinking, it it wasn't. To hear and learn from him. It was to size up the competition. So that he could destroy him. He's now on the offense. And not on the defense. With John he was gladly hearing him. With Jesus he's not coming to obey and follow. He's on the opposing team. See, there are many who once gladly heard God's word, but they, they stopped obeying it. They, they, they wouldn't obey it. And now they're opponents to God's word because they feared man more than God. And so Herod aligns himself with the opposition against Jesus. The Herodians came and they started conspiring with the Pharisees against him. And they were plotting to destroy him. Some of the Pharisees that are sympathetic to Jesus come and warn him in Luke 13, 31. At that very hour, the Pharisees came to him and said, Get away from here. Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go tell that fox. Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I finish my course. Herod has not even met Jesus yet. He's not even listened to him preach. But so hard... So dark is his heart against him because of his fear of man. He just simply sees Jesus as competition and he wants to kill him. 
When Jesus calls Herod a fox, it's, it's not to say that he is sly because he is planning to kill him. That's not what he's saying. Jesus is mercifully trying to share the gospel with him. He's trying to share a three circles presentation with, with Herod. See, he's trying to share the truth first about Herod's sin. A fox was a ceremonially unclean animal. And, and even though Herod had issues, Herod liked to think of himself as a pious Jewish leader. He thought of himself as a moral guy. But the real truth is Herod had been in power, he was put in power by a pagan Roman government, by Caesar Augustus. And Herod had made a mistake. He had built his capital city on top top of a Jewish seminary, uh, cemetery, not seminary, <laughs> cemetery, which is a desecrated place under the law. And so no pious Jew would ever enter his capital city. Herod divorced his first wife that was politically arranged in marriage to an Arab woman that was also against the Hebrew law. And he did that to marry Herodias, who was both his sister-in-law and his niece, which was very sketchy under the law. And then Herod let his young daughter dance in public at a party, which was socially considered a shameful act. And then he unlawfully killed a great prophet so not to be embarrassed. Yet he thinks he's a moral and religious guy. But Jesus is merciful to him. And he still preaches the gospel to him. He shares his identity as the one who came to cast out demons and heal people and be raised on the third day. All things prophesied in the scriptures. And Herod was somebody who knew the scriptures. All Herod had to do was believe in his identity and who he was. And Jesus would give the fox forgiveness and everlasting life. Friends, there are some that are so perplexed by Jesus that they plot against him, even as he is actually working to love them and save them. Now, Herod finally did get his chance to see Jesus. By that time, he is so perplexed by his own sin and hatred and self-importance, this visit bore no fruit. In Luke 23, it says, When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had desired to see him for a long time, because he had heard about him, but he was hoping to see some signs done by him. So he questioned him at some length, but Jesus made no answer. And the chief priests and the scribes stood by vehemently accusing him. And Herod, with his soldiers, treated him with contempt and mocked him, and they arrayed him with splendid clothing and sent him Back to Pilate. And Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day. For this, for, for before this, they had been at enmity with each other. See, Herod had long desired to see Jesus to kill him. But before that, he had desired maybe to know this Jesus because John had preached about him. And then he heard the rumors about Jesus. And his motivation became all wrong. His heart was hard against him. He did not fear Jesus like he feared John. 
Now we just hope for an entertaining experience uh, to see a miracle or two. He questioned Jesus at length instead of confessing his sins to him and asking for mercy. Have you ever heard people say, when I meet God, I'll have some questions for him. I think they're a little perplexed about their relationship to God. For God has nothing to answer for from us. He's not sinned. We have. Yeah, we can ask him questions. He loves us and he'll answer us, but we don't interrogate God. We are responsible, ultimately, for the brokenness of our world, not him. It was Herod who created the problems of his kingdom and the problems in his family. Jesus humbly, kindly, and silently endured this interrogation by this proud man. He knew Herod was not teachable. By now the fox felt confident in his false religious cloak, and he had no fear of God or Jesus at this moment. After all, Herod just needed to put on a good show in front of some corrupt priests and soldiers. He feared them more, after all. And Herod just seemed to win the day. He even made friends that day with an enemy, Pilate, for mocking someone who seemed to be a blaspheming enemy of the state. And then he sends Jesus back to Pilate in a purple robe just to mock him further for claiming to bring in a new kingdom to save the Jews. And to Herod's surprise, Pilate sends Jesus to be crucified. See, Herod had found no guilt in Jesus. And Jesus is not quickly killed like John, but he is killed in the most painful way humanly possible. I wonder if Herod even gave it a second thought or had sin so darkened his mind at this point He didn't even care as long as he was perceived well in this deal. But Jesus feared God and he obeyed his father to the end. He became obedient to death on a cross to pay the price for the sins of the world, including that fox. He did this while being mocked while being shamed as a criminal, while Herod was praised as a hero of the state by Pilate, and then probably went home and celebrated. Jesus was then placed in a borrowed tomb for three days to do what he said, to finish his course. And then on the third day, he arose And Jesus victoriously walked out of the tomb. Herod had once asked, Who is this? Now, if he had simply obeyed John the Baptist in the beginning, he would have known that it was Jesus who God had sent as the Lamb of God 
who came to take away the sins of the world. And if he had repented, he would have found salvation. But instead, he became perplexed. And he did things his own way. And he created brokenness for himself and his family. And Herod eventually lost his kingdom and was sent away in exile. All because he feared the praise of man, which was a trap. Instead of living his life to praise God and follow Jesus and teach others to praise God as well, which is fishing. Herod was a viper that was warned of the coming wrath, but instead of fleeing to Jesus, chased his desires and refused to pretend, repent and just pretended to be perplexed. But God has made it very simple for us, friends. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. There's no confusion there. There's no need to be confused or fear what man thinks of you. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The Son of God loves you. And He gave His life for you. There is no need to fear man or anything. Jesus said to Peter, Do not fear. Come, follow me. And I will teach you to be a fisher of men. You just need to believe in Jesus and be forgiven. Have peace of conscience. Be freely given everlasting life. Come, follow Jesus. Don't worry about what the crowd thinks. Go. And fish. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you and we praise you for your goodness to us. We thank you that it is so simple, Lord. That you're not looking for anything but our simple obedience. For us to turn to you. Lord, the wind and the waves obey you. The demons obey you. Lord, let us not be confused. That it's our duty to turn and follow your son. He has proved his love for us on that cross. The message is simple. You've been giving us the same message throughout the ages. Let us not hide in confusion. Let us turn and believe in your goodness and love for us. Let us not fear, but only believe that you have come for us. 
that you have died for us, that you have paid the price for our forgiveness, and that you will lead us to everlasting life. We thank you, Jesus, and we praise you. Let your praise always be on our lips. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.